1: The Morning Show. The Home Team. No, it's both. It's The Crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brame.
2: Crossover. Step back.
1: Ah! Back Right here on 960theref.com. What's up, 960theref listeners? Sam Franco, Chris Brame. It is another edition of The Crossover Podcast right here on 960theref.com. Also, iTunes. I feel like I don't really need to say this anymore, but I'll say it one more time here. Subscribe on iTunes. We are there, and it just makes it easier for you to get episodes delivered right to you whenever we post them. So uh, it's uh, very easy. And uh, makes things a little easier on you. I know we're all busy, so that just another thing we do to help you save some time. Yeah, we just pop right up on your phone. We're we're always
2: with you. That's absolutely
1: yes. right. We are. We're like an Amazon who's doing this thing now. or they trying to test this thing where basically you have like a smart lock on your door, and your delivery driver can like open your door and put your package inside the house?
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll pass on that. <laughs> yeah, I figured yeah. you would
1: not be one that would be <laughs> signing up for that service anytime soon. But we've got plenty to get to today the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, or I mean the River City Showdown, pardon me. Uh, It is uh, Georgia and Florida down in Jacksonville uh, coming up in three days from when we're recording this, uh, which is Wednesday. We'll post it tomorrow, uh, Thursday. So it'll be two days when you're listening to this uh, episode tomorrow. And the dogs... A heavy favorite, 14-point favorite as of right now uh, over Florida. And we've got plenty to talk about with this game. We'll also talk about the Falcons, I guess, a little later on in this episode. But right now, uh, we're full on with the cocktail party and – a 14-point favorite, I mean, that is a, a very large number for this game, particularly with Georgia being the favorite.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, for this game for on Georgia's side, yeah, unfortunately on the other side of that, we've uh, been subjected to many, many times I feel like the uh, the Gators have been heavy, heavy double-digit uh, favorites. And, you know, to me, that's that's where to start with this game from the Georgia perspective – is the, uh, you know, it is hard to shake that feeling that this is just a game that Georgia has uh, not experienced much success in over the last uh, quarter of a century now. But, um, you know, the the reason I don't have any hang-ups or reservations about this Saturday, and I I love Georgia going down there, is because the reality of the series is, in the last 27 years, I mean, Georgia's been losing the game flat out because Florida's just had, the better teams, um for most of the uh, for most of the games. I mean, by my fifteen times in the last twenty seven meetings between these two teams, Florida's just had the better team. So it's not some voodoo. It's not some hex. There's not some mind block that Georgia has going down there and playing the Gators in Jacksonville. It's just Florida's been the better team. And this year, Georgia definitely is. And I like Georgia's chances
1: absolutely. And there's not really any reason to think, that Florida should stand much of a chance in this game just based on the way the two teams have played this year. I mean, Florida uh, had the, uh, the losses to, to LSU uh, as well as uh, Texas a and so uh, both of their games out west, uh, Florida goes 0 for, uh, in. But I just think that the way that Georgia's playing, particularly on defense, Florida's offense is going to find it very hard to gain real estate on the football field And Georgia's offense, look, Florida's defense is probably the second-best one Georgia will have faced up to this point behind Notre Dame, and I'm not sure which one is even better. Notre Dame is playing really good football all the way around right now. But just in terms of the rest of Georgia's schedule, I mean, Tennessee doesn't have a good defense. Mississippi State has an okay defense. Um, Vanderbilt's defense is, is much maligned from where they have been, particularly last year when Zach Cunningham was running all over the field for them. And then um, Missouri's defense was awful. So you you look at all those games, and uh, this might be a little bit more of a test for Georgia, but again, just taking away the Georgia-Florida-ness of the game and looking at it just based on this season it looks like Georgia should be able to have some success on both sides of the ball I and mean, maybe all three sides. If you factor in special teams.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's uh, if Florida's defense is still formidable, but it's not even as good a defense as Florida's had over the last uh, couple of seasons. I mean, I think finally some of that draft attrition from those players that Mushchamp champ had brought in is hurting them a uh, little bit. I mean, the one thing Georgia's is going to run into down in Jacksonville is, is always the case is Florida's got players I mean, they got material there and they've got uh, talent and the, uh, the gap in talent certainly isn't as wide for Georgia in this game as it has been in the uh, the last couple of uh, opponents Georgia's faced, like Vanderbilt and uh, and Missouri. But uh, when you look at the bodies of work so far from these two teams, yeah, I mean it's really hard to uh, to look at this and and make a case that Florida has much of a uh, much of a chance. And that just goes back to the the Georgia fan in you saying, "Yeah, but it's Jacksonville, <laughs> and we've lost so many times." I'm mean, like, "Yes, that is true." but Georgia has lost most of those games because they just flat out have not had the uh, better team. So I mean that leaves me if you take you know 12 times in the last 27 years where Georgia's either a had the better team or the two it's been more of a more of a toss up between the two, the uh, the series is is basically 6 and 6. So, I mean, that's just, you know, more reasonable and something you would more expect between a series like one between Georgia and Florida, not one that's been so heavily dominated by the Gators since Steve Spurrier took over there. But, um, you know, basically I've got six years where I think Georgia had the better team, and I've got six years where I think basically it was a split. And in those six years where it was a split, it was three and three. And I think, you know, six times where I feel like Georgia went down there with the better team, they've ended up splitting, which isn't great. I mean, the two... The two really bad losses were 0-2 and o3 when uh, when Zook was there, and you know I think the uh, 2014, the year Muschamp ended up getting fired from there, and that was also the year we went down there with the Fatone Bowda experiment. Oh god! So I mean, that was certainly not a a great Georgia team, but I do think Georgia had the better team that year, and we just got trounced there. But I mean, but other than that, it's just Florida's had the better team, and they don't this year. So. Um, you know i think the the history of the series which has been so one-sided for florida to me it's uh it's 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 not really relevant cuz the dogs clearly have the better unit this season
1: now in this game there's obviously been some interesting lead up and we'll get to that in a second but looking at georgia's offense this is an offense that obviously wants to lead with the run and supplement that with the passing game it is what you saw from Jake Fromm against Missouri, does that make you even, and it should, it should make everybody more confident, but but would you be okay if maybe Florida pulls the Missouri, at least in the beginning, and stacks the box and, and tries to make Jake Fromm beat them? Do you feel confident that he can do that now?
2: Uh, no, I mean, not necessarily against Florida because the Gators do have a good secondary, and they do have a better defense overall. Their pass defense is, is still one of the better ones in the conference. So, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Georgia can win a game by having to uh, by having to throw the ball a lot the uh, the strength of this Georgia offense is still that uh, that ground attack and um but I mean I feel good that Chubb and Michelle are going to go out there Saturday and have big games cuz I think I mean the the other factor of this that that has me so confident in Georgia's chances Saturday is Chubb and Michelle just di- they they didn't come back to lose again to Florida and you know I liked hearing that you know, Kirby basically had that team meeting earlier oh, in the great. week and said, "Hey, anyone in here that's beaten Florida, stand up," and nobody <laughs> did. Yeah, it's unfortunate that nobody
1: could stand up, but I really like the way that Kirby Smart is, is is trying to motivate this team. You know, in the bye week, what was it? This is this is a work week. Uh, just this is the way that this team is talking and the way that this team feels like. They're all about business at all times, and and that's something that'll bode well, I think, going down into Jacksonville and trying to remove all of the, I think, voodoo is what Jeff calls it. You know, kind of, kind of all the, the stuff that goes on at Jacksonville. Don't think about that. Keep it out of sight, out of mind. Just go down there and take care of your business, and and that should be something that makes this game that much uh, easier for Georgia. And, and I mentioned that kind of build-up there. Florida players seem to be very either confident or nervous, and sometimes when you're nervous, you start to run your mouth a little more, and these Florida players are talking like, there's no way Georgia can win this game.
2: Yeah, see, I don't think that is confidence. I think that's a team that is doubting itself, and they're trying to convince themselves that they uh, that they can win, or that there is some hex that Georgia has hanging over it, uh, going down there and uh, and playing those guys. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I kind of like that Florida's been chirping, because to me, that's a sign that they... They really, they don't have a lot of confidence in themselves, and they are worried and nervous about what they've seen from Georgia. Uh, I mean, it's, we're talking about a Georgia State; it's averaging 32 points a, a, a game or, or margin of victory in SEC play. And Florida, like you said, they've lost their last two games. They should have lost to Kentucky. And, yeah, they should have. You know, they they needed a a hail mary at the end of the game to avoid going into overtime against Tennessee.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I think when you're when you're looking at, at the way that both of these teams are approaching this game, it's much more comforting to be a Georgia fan and look at your team and, and, and see that they're not feeding into or they're not taking the bait that Florida's trying to throw out there. Georgia's like, look, this is business as usual. Their arrival, Florida's going to talk like that, blah, blah, blah. Let's just go play the game. We'll let our, our play do the
2: talking. And remember, Florida also didn't score an offensive touchdown against uh, Michigan in that first game of the season right. either. Uh, and ended up getting smoked by a Wolverines team that, you know, some of that inexperience with them that we, you know, kind of thought about Michigan during the offseason. Obviously it's reared its head once they've gotten into conference play. They lost at home to a uh, Michigan. They had a tight overtime win at Indiana, and they got blown out last week by uh, by Penn State. And I mean, I week one of the season, I actually liked Florida in that game due in large part to the fact that Michigan had uh, basically had to replace its entire, you know, its its starting offense and Uh, defense and you know they went out there and just hammered the Gators in that first game of the uh, the season so I mean to me the results that both of these teams have put out there so far would suggest this should be a a a pretty one-sided game Saturday and I hope it is because I mean we've got a few wins against these guys down there in the last uh, you know decade or so but we haven't really drilled them since 1997 so they're due for a they're due for a beating
1: yeah, but one thing that that kind of, and I'm not trying to have sympathy for Florida here or anything because I'm not even entirely sure how real this is. But Jim McElwain talking about getting death threats and like him and like maybe some of the players and stuff, and then when. He was like asked about it by the university. He didn't like provide them any more details. So is it possible? I mean, it sounds he's like making that, it up. Yeah, that's really terrible to even think that a coach would be like, "Yeah, I'm getting death threats." It's like,
2: dude, and the players. Yeah, but that's what yeah. I'm saying. Well, then if you're getting death threats, to me, that's something you should get law enforcement involved in, right? But, he but he's not like to.
1: elaborating to the university or anything. And it's like you, it's like one of those things where like, oh, just forget about it; it'll go away. Yeah, but it's no. like I, mean, I, co- I
2: totally think he's making that up. If and he's I'm, making that up, that's slimy. That's terrible. Well, yeah, and I mean, you're also. So, I mean, here, here's a, another guy, too. Not that, I mean, I, it's Florida fans that I really don't have any, any sympathy for. But, um, but here, you know, here's a coach that has no allegiance or connection to the University of Florida outside of the fact that they're currently paying his salary. I don't know for how much longer. But then you're just making Florida fans look bad. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they're the time that would that would resort and stoop to – like, yeah, uh, you're
1: making your own fan base. <laughs> yeah, like to,
2: to actually making death threats against you and the players. And in a couple of years from now, like, he's going to be long gone at some other job, and he'll have no connection to the University of Florida anymore. It's not like he's a guy that went there or played there. It's just right now he's – you know, what is he? He's from uh, – he was Colin Cowherd's college roommate at Eastern Washington. Um, I, I guess the closest he's ever been to the University of Florida was that period of time that he was – Nick Saban's offensive coordinator. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. To me, it's kind of. I mean, if it's if it's really happening, if you're somebody, if you're getting death threats, um, yeah, I mean, that would seem to be something that you would want to uh, pass along to some sort of authority. But he he doesn't seem too concerned about it. So then, why even bring it up then?
1: Exactly. So I mean, it's just one of those things where Jim McElwain might be out of answers, and he's just trying to really figure out anything that could rally this team. Uh, I'm not sure, but if it is true, then. The fans that are doing that, get over yourself. Or even more realistically, somebody get the police involved and get those people in trouble because you shouldn't be making death threats about football.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that would be that would seem to be like a criminal act, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but
1: if again if Jim McElwain is kind of making that up or maybe he embellished the truth a little bit, shame on you, dude. Like like there are real things, the real situations where this happens, and if you are making it up, kind of crying wolf. Then that's just terrible, and quite frankly, the end of the McIlwain era should probably be pretty soon coming for for you at Florida.
2: Yeah, and well, and and deal with fans being upset when you're not winning games, and uh, and handle it. I mean, because you're you're making a ton of money, and ultimately, when you do get fired, you're going to be making a ton of money from the buyout. So it's just it's uh, you know, it's a part of the job now. You know, fans are going to be disgruntled when you're not winning enough and you're not beating your rivals, and uh, you know, and especially when you're at Florida and their their best years and times have come with uh, Urban Meyer and Steve Spurrier, and they're so used to just seeing this, uh, uh, you know, this offense. And even in, in the last couple of years when the Gators have won the East, I mean, their offense has been hor-
1: horrible. Here's the question: If if Florida gets blown out by Georgia on Saturday, they will be three and four. With four games remaining at Missouri, at South Carolina, hosting UAB and hosting Florida State. I mean, I know we have a lot of five and seven teams making bowls with the APR, but I mean, are there three wins on the schedule right now? I mean, South Carolina's improved. They should beat UAB. They should beat Missouri, although you say they should beat Missouri. And remember a few years back when Missouri just boat raced them in the swamp. So, Florida State, can they win that one? I mean, all of those games are winnable, but all of those games,
2: maybe other than UAB, are losable. Well, you know the the big game for him then becomes beating Florida State because Florida State obviously is down this season. Mm-hmm. They've lost uh, now three games at at home this year. Their coach
1: is threatening to fight
2: fans, right? <laughs> and they've needed they've they've lost uh, Louisville, NC State, Miami at home. They, they did take, have a
1: game canceled so they may petition, you know, the NCAA if they get to like 5 wins or you know what I mean if they right. don't get to 6. Talking about Florida? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then also but back to Florida State, Yeah, but yeah.
2: also Florida State had they needed like Hail Marys or they needed to defend Hail Marys at the ends of games against Duke and Wake Forest to win those. So, I mean if if Florida can't beat Florida State this season, then you get to the end of the year and you start adding up McIlwain's record against Florida State. Against, uh I mean, now he's 0 2 against Harbaugh, at Michigan, also. And even what he's done against Alabama in the last two years in the SEC championship game. Plus, throw on top of that, if, you know, Georgia does go out there and win by a healthy margin Saturday, then um, it could be an interesting couple of weeks in uh, Gainesville as that coaching carousel starts to uh, spin around as to whether or not McElwain is. Still there for a uh, for another year or not? I mean, certainly that schedule. Yeah, all those games are even if they lose this weekend are still winnable. But it just comes down to, you know, how much is the the team still into it at that point?
1: Here's the real question, the one that everybody wants to know: fourteen point favorite
2: Bramer, you lay in the fourteen? I wouldn't take them. I mean, fourteen is still a lot, even as confident <laughs> as I am in Georgia winning the uh, game and by his. Uh, at a wide a margin as Georgia's been winning games but that is a ton of points but um to me it's either I think you lay you lay fourteen with Georgia or there's no play I don't think I would take uh Florida
1: yeah i mean I, I I would lay the fourteen I think Georgia wins by about seventeen. I don't think they're gonna pull a, a Tennessee win and beat them 41 to nothing but I, I do think that Georgia will win this game comfortably
2: yeah I mean if you look at uh, again just look at their offense and what they've been able to muster against uh, defense is nowhere near as good as what Georgia's is playing at uh, so far this season then you, you just got to think that it's um, the, the Gators probably aren't going to score a lot it comes down to uh, you know, how much can Georgia's offense – because there's a good chance Georgia's offense isn't going to be uh, near as sharp as it's been the last couple of games either because this is a good defense that Florida has. But what is the total on the game, too? It's only like 41 or 42 points, right? So it's uh, a low yeah. total. Yeah, and that's so, the thing. I
1: mean, they, they think Georgia will win big and that Florida won't score a lot.
2: It might be one of those where, yeah, maybe only one team scores, but the one team that does score, which would be Georgia in this case um, – you know, uh, the over under is forty three and a half.
1: Forty three and a half now. So yeah, I mean it's it's, it's that's not a lot of points. I, I would definitely agree with you there. But hopefully the dogs can uh, can cover that up and uh, you know keep the fan base happy because not only do Georgia fans want to win this game, but quite frankly, Georgia fans want Georgia to go down there and stomp all over Florida. And I'm going to be one that hopes that that definitely happens. Speaking of a, a point spread. That was or Speaking of point spreads, one that was very high and did not get met was the Atlanta Falcons-New England Patriots. Uh, uh, talking about the over-under there. Uh, not a lot of points scored in that game. The NFL has been weird this season. You don't necessarily think that a game's going to be high-scoring or you do think a game's going to be high-scoring. The opposite happens. Remember uh, a few Thursday nights ago, the Rams and 49ers had one of the highest-scoring games of the season. And you look at this Falcons and uh, Patriots game. Falcons just couldn't get anything going.
2: How many? There were, were there seven teams from last Sunday that didn't score an offensive touchdown? I believe The Falcons correct. were darn near an eighth. Yeah, until they and punched I mean, one in there late.
1: I mean, if Julio Jones didn't jump up and just snatch the ball away from Malcolm Butler, I mean, what a what an aggressive touchdown! A and B. I think he's starting to get mad that he's not getting those red zone targets and things like that that people are talking about.
2: Yeah, I think some frustrations definitely going to start to set in with. Um, with Steve Sarkeesian now because the the first goal to go that Atlanta had where they ended up getting stuffed on downs there where they ran that uh, stupid play to take on the
1: that was so dumb. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was that
2: was like Georgia against Vanderbilt giving the ball to uh Isaiah McKenzie
1: last year when you have Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle and you're just trying to get one yard and pounded it. it's like Georgia or the Falcons have one of the best running backs in the NFL. And Devontae Freeman, and instead they're trying some crap on a jet sweep. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, and,
2: and then you, you know, again, you if you start to think about Starkeesian's resume now, the uh, the guy was the offensive coordinator for just in, you know, at, at USC when they just were, um, you know, abundantly more talented than anybody they faced. So then he ends up getting this head coaching job at Washington, where he kept going, you know, seven and five. Then he ends up back at USC because you know, the USC was in that pattern where they were only allowed to hire uh, Pete Carroll disciples. They couldn't get out of that era, and when we know why he got canned from there. Then he ends up for one game um, coordinating Alabama's offense in the biggest game of the season, and they couldn't convert a third down or stay on the field in it. Now all of a sudden he's the Falcons' offensive coordinator. And um, how about stumbling up? <laughs> yeah, and I mean it's just been it's been terrible. Now, I mean, granted the the first year of the Kyle Shanahan era wasn't very good either. But I mean, Shanahan at least had an NFL background. But um, Sarkisian, this is uh, you know I think it was kind of a, a questionable hire to begin with, and it's starting to prove it uh, that way too. And I'm am generally a proponent of of uh, going forward on fourth down. But late in the first half when Quinn decided to go for it and Well the first one was fine and they got it with Matt
1: Ryan getting it. But the second one was so desperate, A, and B, if you don't get it, you're just giving the Patriots points and it's Tom freaking Brady.
2: Yeah, I mean that's where you have to you're at the get into the locker room ten nothing. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Get in the locker room. Because you get the 10-0. ball back
1: at half and yes. you
2: can maybe, you know, score a touchdown, get a field
1: goal, make it a one score game. Instead, you gave the Patriots a touchdown, basically,
2: and it's seventeen to nothing right. at the half. And you're going to the locker room down seventeen nothing, and you haven't scored. You've been outscored in your last basically four quarters, thirty-seven to nothing.
1: That was an awful coaching decision,
2: like one of the worst. That 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 was like end of the Mike Smith era bad. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> I mean, you got to It was a. It was not a good first half either way. But at least at the end of it, you could have said you punt the ball away there. And at the end of it, you say, well, you know, at least you're getting in the locker room down only ten nothing, as bad as it is. But then it's seventeen nothing, and we're like, well, that's an insurmountable because, uh, you know, Atlanta just wasn't going to be really slowing down Tom Brady if a if need be.
1: No, and I mean that's the thing. The both defenses were not the issue in this game. It, it was the Falcons' offense that really just couldn't do anything, couldn't get anything going. And Matt Ryan, I don't know if it's not gelling with Steve Sarkeesian. This year looks very similar to Matt Ryan's
2: first year with Kyle Shanahan. It does so far. Yeah. Um, you know. So I don't know. Maybe there'll be some hope that the team will be able to rebound next season, but this one is this one's pretty much already done. I mean, you say that. Atlanta's 0-3 against
1: the AFC East. You say that this season is done, but – If they beat the Jets this weekend, then they have the exact same record through week
2: eight as they did last year. All right. But through week eight last year, did they lose two home games to the Miami Dolphins and Buffalo Bills? (laughs) No, they did not. All right. So
1: let's just say that the Falcons go to MetLife and beat the Jets. Okay. Then they are four and three. And then they're on the road again next week. At Carolina the week after that, or the next week hosting the Dallas Cowboys, who will probably be without Zeke Elliott, depending on how all these stupid appeals and things go, at Seattle, and that's a Monday night football game. That doesn't feel like a win. (laughs) Uh, You host Tampa, you host Minnesota, you host the Saints, and then you're at Tampa, at New Orleans, and then you host Carolina. So that's one good thing about the Falcons' schedule, is that you look at their last six games, five of them are division games. So, you can make up a lot of ground if
2: there isn't. Sure. But we can agree, too, that a year ago when the Falcons had the record it had.
1: They it felt had, a lot different.
2: They had won at Denver. <laughs> they should have won at Seattle. Oh, they, yeah, got they got hooked job. there. Yeah. I mean, this is where a team now that's lost home games to Buffalo and the Dolphins. Well, they did lose the first game of the season last year to the Bucks. They did lose that. But then, after that, they they started to rally and turn it around. Because, for me, I tell you, when I I believed Atlanta was really good last season was when they won – at uh denver yeah that and that was definitely a proving ground that day. was what i was mm-hmm. buying into that was still but now, so basically a year later at around that same period of time they're losing at home to the miami dolphins <laughs> and i'm ready to I'm, I'm selling them a year ago i bought them this year i'm selling them
1: all right here's another hypothetical for you in their next four games at new york at carolina hosting dallas and at seattle if they go three and one in that stretch of four, which seems like a very tall mountain to climb right now, but if that did happen, would you be back on board?
2: If they if that happened, then yeah,
1: they'd be in good shape, but that's just not going to happen. They'd be what at that point? Then they would be let's see if they're three and three right now, that would get them to six six and, and four? four, yeah, and then six and four with all those division games, like I said. And look, Tampa doesn't look like a world beater. I mean, they keep losing these games. New Orleans looks better, but that's still a toss up game it seems like whenever it's played between the falcons and the saints carolina is the one team that i'm not really sure about in the nfc south
2: well yeah here's what we've seen for the division so far I mean, realistically i mean do you think atlanta's going to go 6 and 0 against the division no 5 and 1 Probably four and two would be my best. Four and two would be the best case scenario. Okay. So then that would put them. Let's just right now, they're three and three. Yeah.
1: So that would be seven and five. Seven and
2: five. So between the Cowboys, the Jets, Jets, the Vikings, and and the Seahawks. Seahawks. Yeah. They would
1: need probably to go three and one to get to 10 wins. Maybe nine and seven gets you into the playoffs, but. Yeah, the, the more we talk about this, I'm starting to kind of – I mean, I, I'm, I'm not super high on the Falcons right now just because right they don't look like the same team. I totally agree with you. But the more you break that down, yes, they could have the same record as they did at the same point in the season last year if they beat the Jets, but it does not feel the same. No,
2: I mean, because they've lost two home games to the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins. That's just going to be hard to recover from the rest of the season. And you're right. I mean, keep in mind, last year Atlanta was 7-5. and five. But the next two games they played at seven and five were against the LA Rams and the San Francisco 49ers, two of the worst teams, the two worst teams, along with the clowns, I guess, in the in the league last year. So they went from seven and five to nine and five, and then they ended up taking out uh, what was it the Panthers and, and Saints over the uh, the last two games. So let's say Atlanta's seven and five this year, but you know you're not going to have the Rams and the 49ers to be able to beat up on. No, you're not so
1: yeah and that's the thing I mean this this season in the NFL hasn't just been weird or or down for the Falcons I mean you just look across the board and it's just been strange I yeah mean, you have you have a team like the Eagles look like the best team in the NFL right now the Jets don't look terrible uh the the, the only consistent thing in the NFL is the Browns yeah the Browns are horrible. gonna the Browns are gonna suck and yes. that's that's it and That game, if you watched that game between the Titans and the Browns last week that ended, I guess, with the Titans winning late in overtime with a field goal. It was all
2: field goals, right?
1: You must really enjoy football because, I mean, there is – I don't think I saw a second of that, not even on the Red Zone channel. Like the, the you know it's bad if the red zone channel hadn't even shown. By well,
2: yeah, because like neither team got into the red zone. <laughs> well, that's I guess. a good point. Yeah, but but even oof. like the Patriots, yeah, they still got Tom Brady, but their defense is horrible, and that's that would be the other concern about it. Uh, Atlanta's performance Sunday night. Josh McCown, the previous game had thrown for three hundred and fifty four yards against New England, and if so, if Matt Ryan couldn't get cooking last Sunday night yeah, against that defense, then. It's, uh, you know, where's this offense going to get it turned around against? Against what teams? Because the last two weeks, the the Patriots and Dolphins have two of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. And Matt Ryan couldn't, uh, uh, couldn't come anywhere close to looking like the MVP that he was last year.
1: No, he could not. So hopefully the Falcons get a win this weekend. Get back to that record they had last year. And we'll see uh, what ends up happening for the rest of the season. But it does not feel as good as you would have felt at this point last season. All right, brain, Florida weekend. If you're listening to us and you're heading down to Jacksonville, be safe. Uh, you know, we can give you the brown water speech all day long. Uh, it's going to be a little warm. I think 80 degrees is about what people are saying. Uh, Maybe to, some rain too, they're saying. It, it keeps changing. You know, the the weather forecasting nowadays is so hard to hit. I, I don't trust a forecast until the day before. And even then, sometimes it'll change. Right. So. Uh, Just be safe down there. Uh, Hopefully uh, the dogs bring us uh, back a win. I'll be going down there, uh, heading down on an early Friday morning, uh, so uh, you'll hear Logan uh, in my spot on the morning show. But uh, be sure to tune in to the morning show for the rest of the week as well as the home team brain back. In the saddle after uh, taking a few days off, there did you, did you get rested and uh, recouped, ready to go?
2: Yeah, but I, you know, I kept uh, focused on the Gators because I'm, I'm aware of the trash talking that's going on and the uh, death threats that Jim McElwain claimed to be uh, may or may not to be, be getting. getting. Yes, right.
1: right. So uh,
2: hopefully, um, hopefully the dogs do get that win.
1: Uh, special uh, R.I.P. to a Fats Domino who uh, just found out that he uh, passed away. So uh, go listen to Blueberry Hill or something uh, to honor. Uh, Fats Domino. But for Chris Brame, I'm Sam Franco. Thank you so much for listening to this world's largest outdoor cocktail party edition of The Crossover, or should I say the River City Showdown edition.
2: Dogs win big. Of The Crossover.
1: Yeah. So dogs win big, but you won't lay the
2: points. Yeah, probably not.
1: Okay. There's, uh, there's,
2: a, there's other games to bet on.
1: That is very true. That's one that uh Chris Brame gives the stay away endorsement to. But for Brame, I'm Sam Franco. Thank you so much for listening. We're on 960theref.com every week. It is the crossover podcast. Go, dogs. Florida sucks. We'll talk to y'all next week. You've been listening to The Crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brain on 960theref.com.